People think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. And welcome to Kidney Talk. It's still hot outside in Palm Springs. I know, and we're going to be talking today about connecting with your physician. Do you know how to connect with your physician? You know, one time I was so connected with him, I thought I was a Siamese twin. (laughs) No, I love connecting with my physician. I don't like the kind of sting. You know, if somebody said to me, well, these doctors are, are, are both the same in quality, but one's a little bit more, you know, has great bedside manners, I would go with that guy because I want to be almost like a, a, a friend and a confidant to him. Well, I don't I, want to be intimidated by my doctor. Well, I think one of the most important things is is that, you know, you need to pick that doctor like you pick your spouse. I mean, you probably... It's well, more then I'd be, I'd, I'd be in really bad trouble. I'd be dead by now. I'd be absolutely dead if that was the case. Because it's important it's a relationship and they're in control of your life. It is almost like a not, marriage. Oh, it is. Especially when you have kidney disease. I What well, I, I say, especially you, if you have kids. I mean, not no. With the doctor, I mean, I've had the same doctor for, yeah. Dr. No, DeFlo. Oh, Dr. DeFlo. No, I know. I'm, I'm in love with Dr. DeFlo, but he was only my doctor for a short time during my transplant. The doctor I've had now Didn't for over 18 years. he you for sexual years. harassment? <laughs> Is that Dr. true? Dr. DeFlo saved my life with my third transplant. Oh, okay. So I will always be indebted to And today to him. is what? Is today your well, birthday? No, tomorrow I'll be tomorrow, celebrating 17 years of my kidney 17 transplant. 17 years, a birthday? So 17 years ago, Dr. DeFlo and I had a moment where I had a transplant. It was so exciting. A moment in time. But um, today we're going to be talking to Dr. Michael Lazarus. He's a medical director. I of love Dr. Michael Lazarus. He's that southern good old boy. Yes, he's, uh, and you know, Fresenius is the largest provider of dialysis I in the I know Fresenius. I actually have a fountain pen that says Fresenius on it. Oh, well, I'm impressed. Um, but he's going to talk to us today about how to connect with your physician. Because let's face it, not all physicians have the best bedside manner. We've no. all encountered them. They all, you know, they could have their hand on the doorknob when they're talking to you. And you need to get their attention and make sure that they're paying attention to your needs. So when we come back, we're going to talk to Dr. Michael Lazarus, and he's also going to give us some handy recipes from the South. Well, now that I have mastered Peter Piper picked a pack of pickled peppers, how many pickled peppers did Peter Piper pick? Let's see what my next challenge will be. It's in here somewhere. Say this three times fast. Fistula first feels fantastic for future fitness. Fistula first feels fantastic for future fitness. Fistula first feels fantastic for future fitness. Now if I only knew what that means. A fistula should be your first choice for your dialysis access. It says here, less infection and less hospitalizations. That's good. Yes. (laughs) Lasts longer. Some patients have had their fistula for more than 30 years? Oy. Sounds like a no-brainer to me. Fistula first feels fantastic for future fitness. For more information, please visit fistulafirst.org. Do it now. You get a lot of now, get a pull, honey. Honey, you get a 
welcome, Dr. Michael Lazarus. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, you know, you it's so funny. You have that southern accent, and you kind of look like Colonel Sanders. <laughs> a lot thinner. A lot thinner. Mark Twain, I'm told. Oh, Mark Twain. That oh, too. Stephen, thank you very much. I just lost all my funding. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> how do you connect with your physician? I think, Laurie, the, the major thing is, is communication. It, that's a word that's thrown around a lot, but you, you really have to talk to your doctor. You have to look eyeball to eyeball and speak to the physician. If you don't have a doctor that can give you enough time to have a conversation, you really either need to sit down with the physician or his office staff and say, I have other needs. I really need to speak to the physician. So making your needs and your wants known is extremely important. You know, that seems to be like, uh, you know, I hate to say it, an ideal or an idealistic view because I, when some of the doctors I've been to, it depends on the doctor too, but some of the doctors I've been to, you know, you, you could just feel that you got 10 minutes of their time and that's it. And I feel sometimes very rushed, very intimidated by the doctor. Uh, I know at, at UCLA, I went to see them and I just, I almost had a nervous breakdown because they are just so intimidating and I could tell that he has 50 patients that he has to see that day. There may, there may be times when a physician is busy, or maybe he's got a large practice and he does not have a lot of time. So some of the things I think are helpful is when you know the physician's coming, if you write a list, is now if it's a six-page list, that's probably going to not get you <laughs> off to a good start. But if you write down the several things that you really want to ask so that you can, when you have that physician's minute or two, particularly in the dialysis unit, when they're making rounds that you can ask your questions. I have these three questions, doctor. I need you to answer these for me today. And I think that's a good way when you have a short ration of time. That is that is actually a very good way, you know, uh, you know, because I've done that. I've written the list, you know. I you know, I was just scared the doctor when I came with my laptop. <laughs> you came with your grocery list? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, one of the things I've also found, too, is that in the dialysis unit can be chaotic and if you have some serious issues you may need to schedule an appointment with the doctor in the office. There are a lot of nephrologists who prefer to see their patients out of the dialysis unit in their office and that is one way to do it but it really is important for the patient and the doctor and the nurse in the unit together to go over issues because so much of the care is with the nursing staff that if they get excluded from the process, then I don't think that's as good as maybe a meaningful short conversation in the doctor's office. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to make sure that if you do that, on occasions you do go back in the dialysis unit and make sure the nursing staff are incorporated in the discussion and the plan because they play such a major role. What should the patients expect from their physician? No, you know, we cannot take no for an answer if they don't give us this information. Well, there are several basic things that, that a nephrologist for a kidney patient has to do. And the first is when you first meet, when you first start dialysis, is that physician has to give you guidance about your options of what, what your treatments are going to be. Now, a lot of it's education, and a lot of that education has to be provided by nurses, a home dialysis nurse, a transplant coordinator, a number the social worker, the dietitian. A lot of people will give the patient input. But at the end of all of that input of this education process, the patient needs to go back with, to the doctor and say, what is best for me? Or let me tell you what's best, or let me have your opinion. But the physician should be ultimately 
the partner with the patient deciding what the option is and how often you change and how you might move from one option to the other option. So that's an important thing to establish with your physician. The other is that most of the physicians see the patient at least monthly. I think that's kind of a minimum. And I think during that monthly meeting, and it may not be long, it may be a relatively short meeting, you should have kind of in mind what you want to ask or what you'd like to discuss. Now, over and above that, I think you need to establish with a physician when you have a problem that can't wait till his usual rounds, what do you do? Where do you go? Yeah. Who do you call? Who do you call? What happens when you have a problem at home? And Ghostbusters. Oh, no, that's the other thing. Yeah, I mean, when I first had my transplant, I didn't know, when am I supposed to call, what should my beaver be? You know, when yeah. is it, when does the red flag go off that I need to talk to my doctor, and when is it just annoying him that it's not a big problem? Well, that's, that's important to establish, and you need to know, okay, when do I call, what, what problems do you want me to call for, and where should I call, and who should I talk to? And understand, the medical system is very complex. It's very difficult for patients to get through that, and we all know that. <clears throat> Most of the doctor groups have multiple doctors, so your doctor might be in a large group, and you call on a Friday night and your doctor's gone, you may speak to a physician you never heard of before, mm -hmm. his partner. And he may not know you. And he may and not, he know may not you. speak English. Well, I hope he speaks <laughs> English. But those kind of issues you need to talk to your doctor is, can I have a list of your partners? Can you tell me the doctors that cover you? What hospital should I go to? What emergency room should I go to? Uh, how, how do I get help when I need help? Now, most of the patients go back to the dialysis unit, and the dialysis unit staff usually knows that, but I think it really is important for patients to have that discussion with their, with their physician. Well, I always got sick when the dialysis unit was closed yeah. <laughs> on the weekends or in the evenings, and it's frightening because you don't know what to do. I remember one time I had a really high blood pressure, and it was like, what do I do? I don't want to really go to emergency because, you know, back then they looked at me, oh, you're a kidney patient. We're going to admit you no matter what. Yeah. And I don't want to be admitted. And so there's this fear factor. You don't know what to do. So that's a wonderful point. You really yeah. have to know ahead of time. Yeah, You have to is, plan. I think the other important issue is uh, when you don't like what you hear, uh, you, you have a right to get a second opinion. And one of the signs to me of a not good physician is a physician that objects to giving a patient the name of another physician for a second opinion. Uh, that always raises a red right. flag with me. And wait, wait, I, if, the, if the doctor doesn't want to give you another name? If the name, doctor says, no, I'm not going to give you another name. Or if it's his bad. relative. Well, yeah. that may be better. <laughs> Maybe it's always his relative is a butcher and not a doctor, <laughs> and he just gives you the same name. Uh, you but gotta it's, excuse it's him. him. He's very silly. <laughs> it's important to to say I, I want a second opinion. Mm -hmm. I would like a second opinion. It's a hassle sometimes, but I think it's so important. Well, it can save well, your life. Well, you know, do, do doctors get? Like, you're a doctor, right? Yeah. You look like one. So, um, <laughs> if you know, do doctors get insulted when you say I'd like a second opinion? No, I don't get insulted, but I wonder what did what did I not do? If the mm -hmm. patient needs another opinion, it means I did not do something. I did not meet some need that that patient wants. And well, so maybe, I they, maybe it's myself. something serious, though. You know, well, it maybe it's a serious, serious illness, yeah. and they just want a second opinion. Yeah. It has nothing to do with yeah. you. Right. 
Yeah, and, and sometimes it's hard to get us to get through the healthcare system to be able to see another doctor, yeah. so it's not always an it's option. It's not easy. As a matter of fact, I know the union that I belong to, I think on major surgeries, I'm not quite sure, I, I might be misspeaking, but they require a second, second opinion. opinion. Mm-hmm. A lot of insurance plans do. You know. And that's that's important if you think that you need somebody else to give you another opinion. Now, that depends somewhat on where you are in the country. If you're in a small rural area and the town you live in is 30,000 people and there's one nephrologist <laughs> and two surgeons and a small hospital, it, that's not easy to get a second opinion because you you have limited choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a city such as Los Angeles or Boston or New York or Philadelphia, there, there are oodles and oodles of nephrologists and surgeons, and you can find a lot of names. But as you suggest, in those major cities, the medical system is so complex. Right. It really is hard to navigate. Right. Navigating the medical system is very difficult. And if you have a vascular access that has problems, you may not have time for a second opinion because you need to have surgery right away. Right away. So when we come back, we're going to talk more about uh, connecting with your physician. And, you know, it's funny because I was in a rural area. You were talking about rural areas once. And uh, I needed to see a doctor, but they told me that we, I had to wait till he got off from work from the Dairy Queen, which really <laughs> didn't instill confidence in me. Driving a cab in a Big Apple could really get on your nerves with all the traffic, the noises, the rude drivers. Oh, watch where you're going, wise guy. Get some glasses. Oh, where was I? Oh, yeah, the rude drivers. There's one thing I wish was a little louder or not so quiet. Secondary hyperparathyroidism. I know it's a big word, but you know what? It's a big problem. It's often referred to as a silent disease. I didn't even know what I had until I experienced weakness, achy bones, itchy skin, and sexual dysfunction. But you didn't hear that last one from me. Some people call it the bone disease because of the loss of too much phosphorus and calcium. But what you don't know, Mr. Smarty Pants, is that it also affects soft tissue like the heart, the lungs, the blood vessels, bada bing, bada boom, and that's about everything. So don't be a wise guy. Wise up and talk to your doctor about the big boy. Secondary hyperparathyroidism. Whoa, for crying out loud, do me a favor, Grandma. Get off the road and throw away your keys. Get up, can't you slip too late, honey, honey. Get up, can't you slip too late, babe. Get up, can't you slip too late, that brought out. So tell us a, a couple of ideas. If you're not connecting with your physician, what we can do would to help improve Would you just automatically change it? physicians, or would you give your physician a chance and or talk to what him about it? What would you do? Well, <laughs> I, I think it's always good to talk, to negotiate and say, you know, the relationship's not working for me. I, I know patients um, are not going to say it that way. Doctors can be intimidating because I grew up and it's like, I, I just thought, wow, they know everything, and I had to trust my own instincts that I'm a care partner. Well, I don't know how you get patients not to have a concept that they cannot discuss an issue or problem uh, because they're going to get a response they don't like or make the person they're talking to mad. You, you just have to get beyond that. Right. It, it just is necessary when, when you don't like the physician, if you don't have the bedside manner that you were talking about, mm-hmm. uh, you need someone that you can relate to. This is too important. I mean, people spend more time and, and have more interaction with a car salesman than they do their physician. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go buy a car, you beat the salesman up, you argue with him, <laughs> and you do all this stuff. 
And your health care is much more important than buying a car. Maybe that's so, why I drive a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> so you really, you really need to have that. Now, if it's not working, if you and your doctor are not getting along, and I'm going to take this from the viewpoint of a dialysis patient and a dialysis unit, uh, there are certain rules that, that we operate by. And one is that if you would ask a nurse, I don't like my doctor, want to change. I think most of the dialysis providers tell the nurse, well, the proper way to do this is to ask the patient to please have the discussion with the physician. Now, if the patient says, I can't do this, I really cannot have a conversation with that doctor, I don't like him or her, and I don't want to have a conversation, I just need to change. It's important that somebody tell the physician, your patient's unhappy with the care, would you like to address the patient about it? If the physician says, no, I don't like the patient either, it's good we get a divorce, (laughs) and that might happen then I think it's appropriate for the dialysis staff to help the patient find another physician. Somebody that's taking patients, somebody that comes to that unit, or the patient then has a very difficult decision. If there's not a physician there that is available, then they have to decide, am I going to change dialysis units? I've got to drive another half hour to get to another dialysis unit to another doctor. Uh, that's a decision you have to make, and am I willing to do that? Is this worth this, or do I want to go back and try to make this work with the current physician? Now, a physician, likewise, can say, I don't want to care for this patient anymore. We don't get along, or the patient doesn't do what I say, or for whatever reason. The physician has to give the patient what we call a 30-day letter. Is I will care for you for the next 30 days, but you must find really? another doctor. Really? Is that doctor. a federal rule or something? It's kind of a federal rule in the Medicare program. You really? You can't discharge a patient without giving it's them 30 like days It's kind of like an notice. apartment lease. Yeah, You've got to give a 30 lease. days notice. Very similar. You know, Lori and I are talking about, you know, what if we don't get along with the doctor? You know, what if the doctor's not nice? What if the doctor doesn't explain things? But, man, you being a doctor, you must have your share of, like, crazy patients. Well, not many, but there's occasional patients. That are obnoxious I mean, <clears throat> and just won't take no for an answer. Yeah. Most Give of us, us your best <clears throat> story of the most obnoxious patient you ever had. Well, and was her name Lori Hartman? <laughs> <laughs> no, Lori, I'm sure it would be a peach of a patient. Oh, yes. They She's love a big advocate, though. She'll drive you crazy. I think I was labeled pain in the butt one time. <laughs> yeah, well, that sounds appropriate. I think the patient that you're referring to, anybody that's been in a dialysis unit, would know of a patient. They sit in the other chairs, and they see patients oh. that act out. Uh, it's, a, it's a very difficult disease, it's a very difficult treatment, and so you can understand how some patients don't, are not able to, to cope with that. And I think one of the things that most of us do is I'm equally concerned about how the patient impacts on other patients in the unit or the nursing staff. Mm-hmm. The doctor's only in and out for a few minutes, so I, you know, right. if, if it's a difficult patient, I don't have to put up with it long, but the nurse and the other patients that are in the unit for four hours, if this patient's acting out, they have a problem. And that I, is so true, Dr. Lazarus, because I was in a Fresenius unit, and we had a patient that from the moment she got on, she would just start yelling and start either various of yelling and sobbing. And it just, and me being a new patient in a Fresenius unit, oh my God, I, and I was next to her at one point. And then, and the lady on the left side of me was arguing with the crazy lady, and I was in the middle. And there, she's telling her to shut up, and she's saying, "Don't tell me what to do." And I'm this young, younger guy in the middle, 
between these two old ladies yelling at each other. Well, I, you know, I think in that situation is where most physicians would like to end, end the relationship and give a 30-day letter. Or just pull the plug off the dialysis. Well, <laughs> hopefully they don't do that. But it's, it's that, again, we're, we're back to communication. If you're, if you're not getting along with a physician, you're not getting your needs met, you, you have to talk to somebody. If you cannot talk to the physician, talk to the nurse, talk to the social worker, or have your family member come in. I think sometimes a family meeting is a good solution. That's right. I could have had my wife come in and beat the old lady up. <laughs> the medical care system in this country is changing. There's a nurse shortage, a doctor shortage, and what you see is doctors relegating not more and more to nurse practitioners mm -hmm. or physician's assistants, and those are excellent people who deliver excellent care. But I think patients could expect to see that change, could expect to see nurses and patient care technicians doing more. Uh, as medical care gets more and more complex and it gets uh, more and more people living older and more and more people right. getting on dialysis, I think we can expect to see a lot of changes in care and how it's delivered. You know, I, had, I know a particular doctor that was so overwhelmed with patients and he felt that he was not giving enough time to each patient, so he actually weeded out patients and it became what he called a VIP service, where you paid a, a yearly fee, and you got more attention, more time with the doctor. It's almost like being the gold member of the airlines. Yeah. Those are called boutique practices. They're fairly common around the country. Uh, they're very expensive. Uh, you know, the average dialysis patient, I don't think, would ever be able to afford a boutique service because you, you pay, like you say, it's the This guy was charging $1,800 fee you know, just to be a member. Right. And then there was a, probably a monthly charge on top of that. I didn't know because I mm. didn't join. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think many dialysis patients would do that. And there are, you know, you, you need to think of the physician as guiding a number mm. of people that deliver the care. Uh, but you need to have your fair amount of time with the person guiding at the top of that pyramid. And that's what's really important is to make the most of that time. Uh, find out when the doctor's making rounds. I used to make rounds and uh, patients would be sleeping. They, uh, I would say, I'm waking up patients. I need to talk to them. The nursing staff would get upset. Says, well, they're sleeping. Don't wake them up. I says, no, no. Yeah. I'm only going to see them this week. Don't I, make we that one up. She's cranky. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, as the physicians become more and more overwhelmed with the patient population, there's a shortage. One of my concerns is, is that physicians like to do a great job. And if they feel overburdened, I see them retiring and saying, I don't want to do this anymore. So patients really need to take an active role and take as much care. So we keep the doctors, you know, wanting to do this and not want to move on to some other business because this is their choice to be a doctor and we need them to thrive. Yeah, I think many physicians are frustrated as you, you all both point out, the paperwork and the administrative and the hassle that goes along with it. What, what we would really like to do, most of us would like to sit and have a conversation with patients. Uh, that's the most pleasurable part of the job we do is to sit and have a conversation. But when you have things that are pressing you and you feel an urgency to get down the road and do something else that short time and I think most of them understand that they don't like it any better than the patients right. do right I know I know that you know, when I was in school to become a therapist and I we had an entire class on how to fill out insurance paperwork yeah. and that's not what I wanted to do I wanted to treat you know clients who were depressed and you know all their other issues yeah. family counseling 
You just want to get down to doctoring. Yeah, down to doctoring. Yeah, I know. It's so true. And, well, thank you so much, Thanks, Dr. Lazarus. Dr. Michael Lazarus. Wow. I know. This has been exciting. This to, is great. He's done two interviews here. with us, too. I know. And thank you so much for uh, sharing your knowledge. And we never got a recipe. A recipe. What's your favorite southern recipe? Country southern ham food. and what, Country ham? Country ham and Smithfield grits. ham? Smithfield ham. It's very salty, but I love very it, too. Very salty. Dallas's patients can't have it's it. It's not I'm a real friendly first, ham. It's the first diet. It's the first meal you have after you have a transplant, right? <laughs> right, and you get to drink a gallon of water. Hello? Hi, Mom. Boy, that was some storm last night, huh? We actually lost power for a few minutes. Oh, you think that was bad? You should have seen the one back in 52. Well, now that you're on dialysis, you should really have a plan in case of an emergency. Ha! Last emergency I had was when you got your head stuck in the hamster cage. Scared the little fella to death. Those big eyes just staring at him. I'm talking about emergencies, like severe weather, earthquakes, or power outages. What if there was no water or transportation to get you to dialysis? It's important to be prepared. You mean like carrying important medical information? Or asking your facility for alternative arrangements for treatment? Or preparing emergency stock of supplies, foods, and medicines? Or learning what diet to follow if your dialysis must be delayed? You already knew all this? I've got to run, Sonny. I'm late for Taekwondo. Bye, Mom. This is the end of my Conan song, honey. It was like having Colonel Sanders right here. I, I can't wanted believe to, you said that. I, all I could think of is I wanted to know the secret 11 herbs and spices. <laughs> yeah, but you know, he's right about connecting with your physician and everything. Because yes. I've had great physicians that I felt almost like buddies to, and other ones that I did not want to see them to save my life. And, and sometimes I've had physicians that I don't understand their accent. You know, and they're wonderful I, physicians, but I, I, I you know, alluded it's a to that, like they it's, don't speak it's, English, but it's I, you know, it's true because I really am intimidated. If I could, you know, I, I don't want to mention nationality, but you know, somebody from India, you know, or somebody <laughs> from the Philippines, I cannot understand them. Yes, well, it, they need to learn how to pronunciate, or we need to slow down and try to talk to each other because I've had that difficulty in just understanding and they probably you know don't understand me either so you have to connect with your you physician. You know what it's I gotta say something Lori I don't understand you. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our health care team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. Renal Support Network would like to thank everyone who has made this show possible. Kidney Talk's founding sponsor is Amgen. Generous support is provided by Roche Pharmaceuticals and Astellas. Friends of Kidney Talk are Abbott Laboratories, American Region, and Fresenius Medical Care North America. 
Thank you for helping us stream health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. Visit rsnhope.org for more information. The opinions, recommendations, statements, and advice contained on Kidney Talk are for information only. You should not use the information on the show to diagnose or treat a health problem or disease without first consulting with a qualified health care provider. Please consult with your health care provider about any questions or concerns you may have regarding your condition or dietary regimen.